Good morning to our, our men's podcast uh, for December, uh, two weeks before Christmas. We're here with Keith, John, uh, Steve, uh, myself, Tom is uh, away from us. So uh, I'd just like to start off with uh, our Father, in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Our Father, Lord who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, Amen. The Gospel reading for this week. A reading of the Holy Gospel according to Luke. The crowds asked John the Baptist, what should we do? He said to them in reply. Whoever has two cloaks should share with the person who has none. And whoever has food should do likewise. Even tax collectors came to be baptized. And they said to them, Teacher. What should we do? He answered them, Stop collecting more than what is what is prescribed. Soldiers also asked him, And what is it that we should do? He told them, do not practice extortion. Do not falsely accuse anyone. And be satisfied with your wages. Now the people were filled with expectation, and all were asking in their hearts whether John might be the Christ. John answered them all, saying, I am baptizing you with water. But the mightier one than I is coming, and I am not worthy to loosen the thongs of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn. But the chafe he will burn with unquenchable fire. Exhorting them in many other ways, he preached good news to the people. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Lord, Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. Well, there it is. Uh, Keith started us off. The, uh, John the Baptist uh, telling the, the crowds uh, what his role is, the Christ coming, what, what the role is, and... Uh, and, and I, you know, he pretty much laid out the, the game plan for everybody and uh, um, to prepare the way of the Lord. Uh, yeah, so I think uh, right before this gospel reading, uh, I think uh, as the people started coming to John the Baptist to receive his, his baptism of, uh, you know, uh, repentance, and, and he was like, you brood of vipers, who told you to, to come here? And... And so, uh, and and then in response to that, they asked, you know, what well, what should we do? Because he said, he said, you know, 
uh, bear fruit worthy of your repentance. You know, uh, you know, it's not good enough just to say, I repent of uh, my, my ways. You have to then you know, uh, act according, uh, according to that. And, and so uh, then they ask, well, what should we do in order to, to bear good fruit and show that you know, we actually mean our repentance? And and that's when this gospel starts, and he said, and and he, and he answers those questions for them, and um, you know, uh, I guess the there's like three or four responses to different different people about what, what they should do. Um, the first one about um, you know those who have much sh uh, should share with those who don't have any. I think is the most applicable one, particularly in the United States of America. We're all very blessed, you know. Uh, yeah. yeah, give to the person you have. You have two coats. Give one to the person who has none, mm -hmm. nothing. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's the one that I think about the most. Um, and you the other, it. Yeah, the other ones were uh, kind of, I guess, like occupational things about, like, you know, uh, uh, the bosses to be fair to their workers, you know, uh, and, and uh, people in authority to be fair to uh, the people who are subject to them. Um, and it's, so it's interesting. It's like, um, uh, I think everyone would acknowledge that those are all really good things and that, yeah, we should do those. And so then there's like, why aren't we, why, why do we have to change? Like, you know, why aren't we like that by nature? And then it's like, oh, we've got this fallen nature. That's why we gotta repent. And that's why we gotta like actually struggle to do the right thing. We have to struggle to do, to do these these good things. Yeah, yeah. And 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 what I always find interesting about this is John hits him right in the forehead. You brood of vipers. In other words, he sets the tone. It's like he doesn't sugarcoat anything and goes down. You know what you what you would be doing. What what are your thoughts, John, on on this gospel? Um, it's just the anticipation again of um, the beginning of the public ministry. And it's kind of a strange time to have it uh, before Advent, on the third Sunday of Advent. Um, because I think the next Gospel is going to be about um, the visitation and the expectancy of um, John the Baptist being born and then uh, Christ being born on Christmas Day or the, the day it's selected for Christmas. Mm -hmm. And um, so uh, a lot of Advent it focuses on the theme of um, of preparing for uh, preparing the way, and um, you know, uh, laying out the uh, framework of um, of the, uh, the kingdom of God and the gospel that um, during the public ministry that was that was preached by Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. um, but it just fits in, with, and it also fits in with the idea of um, that Advent is a penitential season, like was discussed two weeks ago. Uh, that we. Um, you know, it's it's a time for um, not only joy and um, you know, which certainly occurs on um, on the lead up on Christmas Day itself, but just getting ready for um, you know uh, repenting of sins and uh, trying to get on a better path. So. Another, I'm sorry. No, 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 no. Go ahead. Go ahead, John. Uh, another thing I was thinking was um, that. Uh, um, in terms of how Jesus fits into things, um, so John the Baptist said that thing about um, that he you know, separates the wheat from the chaff. Um, but I was also thinking that um, uh, so first you repent of your your sins, uh, but then 
in order to enable you to do these good things, then you receive God's grace. Because we can't really do, we can't do good stuff on our own. You know, it's like, uh, um, uh, so it's another thing I was thinking, because um, I, I kind of look at it like, uh, you know, so we, we cooperate with God's grace in order to, to do good things and, and uh, yeah, and that's why we got to keep going back to like, you know, confession and stuff like that. It's because, uh, you know, um, you know, sometimes, uh, I, you know, we're in like the fallen world. So God, he doesn't, we're not all full of grace, like the blessed Virgin Mary. We're not always full of grace all the time. And so uh, when we don't have grace, you know, we, we fail and then, uh, you know, we have to repent again and be like, you know, we're in, I don't know, that's something I was thinking. Yeah. Well, that, 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 that's very, very, very good. Yeah, and, and again, going back to the gospel message, they were addressing John as the teacher, and they might have thought that he was actually the Christ, and he clarified that. So he, he gave them a game plan about what they should be doing and how they should be doing, and like you say, Keith, that's like, well, yeah, that's, that's but our fallen nature has us act differently. And then he goes on to say, that, then he introduces and talks about, as John was saying, you know, the anticipation, the expectation of Christ. And, you know, John, he's just the baptizer guy, not even worthy to untie his sandal. And that when Christ comes, he's going to gather the wheat and his born, and the chafe with, is going to be cast out with unquenchable fire. So he's kind of given a fire and brimstone speech there, is that, like, you know, you, know, you, you have to, you know, be ready to accept him. And, you know, there are consequences, uh, you know, with, with, with certain actions there. But, uh, yeah, at, at, this, at this point, you know, they, they were feeling that John was, uh, you know, a teacher to them, which is good. And that's good. And that's what you iterate too, Keith. You're, 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 you're teaching us about, you know, hey, this is common sense. We should be doing this. Well, and, and you, I read I read a gospel commentary earlier. I can share that with you guys if you'd like. Yeah, please, yeah. please, please yeah. do. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Read, read, read the commentary. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah, because you you seem to be highlighted, enlightened by this. Yeah. So again, this is from this book, The Better Part. It's really awesome um, by this guy John Bartunek. But uh, he wrote that. Yeah. It's, okay. He's like homilies on every part of the gospel, and so um, one of for this one he says. Carrying on with what you said, actually. He says, Often John the Baptist is depicted as an ill-tempered, fire-and-brimstone preacher who scared the people into repentance. First of all, such a conception fails to explain how he was able to attract such huge crowds and win over so many hearts. And secondly, it neglects the main point of his message, that salvation is at hand. Salvation, friendship with God, the fullness of secure and security of living in communion with our Creator and Redeemer, of being gathered into the barns of his eternal and sublime kingdom. This is John the Baptist's true message. John teaches his listeners how to please Christ, how to live in communion with the God who wants to save. His lesson is nothing new, though his personal integrity gives it new weight. He merely applies the Ten Commandments to the particular situations of his hearers. He appeals to the demands of justice and the demands of humility. We are not to take undue advantage of anyone, and we are to help those in need. How different the world would be if everyone followed these simple directives, and how open our souls would be to God's grace if we would com combat our selfishness in these apparently trivial ways. 
often people reject Christianity not because its theology not because its theology is too difficult to comprehend, but because its moral demands are too basic. Isn't it much more romantic and titillating to perform esoteric rituals and commune with invisible forces through crystals and spells than to be honest and hardworking? And yet, the glitz of pseudo-religion can't nourish the soul. The real path that leads to life is steep and narrow, as Christ himself would put it later. But why would we want to take any other? Wow, that's food for thought. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Stephen, your comments. Well, I, I, what grabbed me out of that uh, passage was uh, that uh, the, the idea that Christianity is, is too basic for a lot of the uh, thinking that goes along in the, in the world today and probably throughout history. Um, really is basic and in the gospel it said you know be sat John says be satisfied with your wages um, which is uh, not something you'd hear um, in this world or probably in, 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 in any culture throughout history uh, but that's pretty basic that is really basic and I think that's important because if you're not satisfied with your wages, or if you have a deep um, envy of others uh, who are doing better than you, um, then you're likely to, uh, to, to to make transgressions to get yourself in, in a in, in a better place financially, um, and then you you spend all your time missing the whole point of Christ Christianity. Um, which is not to be focused on on uh, what you have, because um, if you strip it all away, if you have it and then you strip it all away, you got to ask yourself what is left. Uh, and if you haven't been um, uh, you know if you haven't been uh, toiling on on uh, on your faith, and your behavior, and your your acting on on your faith, then you really have nothing if you strip all the material stuff away. Um, I'm not saying in every case because there's there's plenty of people that have a lot that are perfectly good people. Um, but I, it, it's sort of an anti-materialistic uh, message. When Jesus says, you know, to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then everything else will fall into place. So yeah. I think that's, that's the main thing. John, what, what are your thoughts? Um, it's, uh, I think he's, uh, when he's talking to the soldiers, I think they're the, uh, the temple guards. Uh, I don't think he had any contact. Uh, St. John the Baptist was out in the wilderness, so he wouldn't have any contact with the Roman uh, soldiers. And they would have just been uh, overlooking the uh, scene, making sure that things were in order. So I guess the, um, the temple guards and the soldiers were, um, they had to, um, they had to be a little bit frustrated that they, that they were just sort of maintaining order amongst the Jewish people, mm -hmm. Hebrew people. And, um, and 
they, you know, they probably would have, um, like, they, they were looking forward to a Messiah to lead them into battle against the Romans to overcome their uh, oppression, mm-hmm. which was pretty severe. Um, so, um, so this Messiah is talking about um, not being, you know, uh, not being warlike, but to um, to be humble and accept uh, wages and not not take advantage of people. Mm-hmm. And um, you know that's that's a theme in. Um, you know, that's been the theme in this country for the last a number of years where you have a lot of police officers who uh, have been accused of, um, you know, it makes it, it makes seem like the majority of police officers are trying to take advantage of uh, people, black people, or people who are disadvantaged, and that's not really not the case. They're trying to uh, do a good job and try to, uh, you know, keep law and order. But you've got so, much, um, got so much disorder out there and so many people who have not been raised properly that you have um, you have um, just uh, you know one thing after another and then number of murders in Trenton and especially down in Philadelphia mm-hmm. you know, so um, you know what well, the the message of uh, st. John uh, John the Baptist is uh, is uh, timeless you know that was 2,000 years ago and um, here we are you know in, in this century where there are so many uh, difficulties problems. So the, uh, the kingdom of God is uh, relevant to people who are trying to aspire to live, live properly. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it has relevance, even though a lot of people aren't aware of it or don't, wouldn't you know, give it the time of day to, uh, to think about what it means. Yeah, that's, that, that, that's a good point, too. This is timeless. Like the gospel message, you know, 2,000 years later, 2,000 some years later, yeah. it's still very applicable. And you know problems they had then, problems we have now, you know even 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 uh, harsher, and but yet you know that gospel message rings rings true is is as Keith had said, and then took it up a notch with that uh, analogy in in, 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 in the, the book that was described by who was that person? Uh, the book's called The Better Part by John Fortunek. Okay, and he and he analyzes these passages. Yeah, the whole go- all four gospels, oh. everything in the gospel. Yeah. He goes through all of it. But um, another thing about this particular uh, gospel reading that uh, I was thinking was, you know, so John the Baptist, he was kind of like fire and brimstone. Like he did think that, um, uh, like that Jesus would be more like like strict uh, in this uh, in, in his incarnation. But um, but uh, I, I feel like throughout Jesus's ministry, when he like performed miracles and, and helped people, he was always I feel like looking for them just to make a a, a step towards them, like to, a little bit of effort. As long as a little bit of effort, then he would help them and bring them the rest of the way. Um, whereas John the Baptist, I feel like. Um, and rightfully so, you know, he, he lived in the desert, you know, he didn't have any, he, he ate locusts and wild honey, you know, he was, he was pretty, uh... <laughs> you talk about a basic lifestyle, that's it, man, how do you survive that? Yeah, so he was, he, he, he was pretty, um, uh, uh, I guess he, he put a lot of work in, into it, and, and, uh, and I feel like we're, we're in a time of mercy now, and, and, uh, so, you know, G- Jesus, um... Uh, you know, he, he, he does ask a lot of us, but he, does, but he doesn't expect us to be successful. You know, he, 
he asks us to strive for the narrow way. And, you know, if we, if we can't, you know, when we go to confession, we say, uh, you know, um, and, uh, uh, and with the help of your grace to sin no more, because we can't do it by ourselves, you know. Some people I do think are, I can just, like, even non, sometimes, like, I uh, meet non-religious people who, who I, I feel like, I feel like everyone's undercover Catholic, because there's some people are so deep undercover, they don't realize it, like, so some people I see, and they do so much good, and I'm like, wow, how can this person do so much good, and I talk to them, and they say they don't believe, but, um, but I feel like, you know, that they've been infused with grace, and, you know, hopefully sometime in the future, you know, God will, will reveal to them, you know, that, hey, you were actually cooperating with my grace that whole time, and, like, you know, and they didn't, they didn't understand it as that at that time. Mm -hmm. And then there's other people who, you know, I guess, s s strive really hard, and for some reason, you know, they're kind of, like, deprived of that grace. And, and, and so, mm -hmm. you know, when Jesus says, uh, he tells a couple parables about, you know, persistence in prayer and persistence in asking asking, you know, um, for, for help and stuff. So for some, you know, God's mysterious, and so for some, some times and some people, he doesn't give them that uh, grace, you know, even if, like, you know, they're, they're asking for it. It's like, he must have a reason for it. And, and so, um, so it's weird. Like, and another, another thing that comes to mind was uh, that parable where Jesus says the last will be first and the first will be last. Because in that parable, um, people are, you know, some people work for a really long time, and some people work for a really short time, and I feel like that's also somewhat related to, like, you know, the, the struggles people go through, uh, um, in, in, in life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so everyone has, like, different amounts of God's, of, or also, you know, and St. Paul said that, like, you know, we're the body of Christ, and everyone has kind of different function, we all have different gifts of the Holy Spirit, we all have different, um, like, you know, quant uh, qualities and, and quantities of, of things, and, and uh, you know, we just all got to work together and trust in God. But you're, but you're right about that lifestyle. Go, go, go ahead, Steve. It's just that, John, you know, like you say, he was out in the wilderness. He was, you know, he was wild honey and locust, and he was like really, a, I, I could just imagine, he, to me, he was like a no-nonsense guy. He was very, yeah. very, there, there, to me, there was a little filter on him. Just boom. You know, and, and then when Christ came, you know, he, he was, he was, Christ was a lot more compassionate, like you say, Christ just, just, listen, you know, you just, 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 just come to him, just, just, because, because he wants to help, he wants to be there, and, and that, uh, a lot of times goes over people's heads, so, uh, Steve, you're going to say something? Well, I was just thinking, uh, while you were talking, Keith, about the, one of the attributes of, of Christ is, uh, that he always he always liked a sincere heart, you know, the thief, the the good thief, for example, um, you know, probably lived a horrible life of a thief, you know, um, and at the very last minute, he's you know what, you know, stop making fun of this guy, but he's not like us, you know, we're criminals, we deserve to be up here, and that uh, guy. End of the day was in heaven, you know, and that's just how how sharp it could turn. At, you know, at any time, just you know, he made it real simple. Who, you know, I'm sure at the beginning of the day he, he wasn't even thinking that, and then suddenly, you know, he found himself next to Christ, and he said, 
we don't deserve. And, and Jesus said, you know what? You're going to be between you have it. I mean, how quickly his, his life yeah. just changed in a matter of seconds like that. It makes me think of the, uh, the concept of uh, mercy, like the divine mercy. I think that's the divine mercy up there, right? Yep. Um, that God can be um, infinitely merciful and infinitely just at the same time. Um, because if it was just justice, we'd probably all go to hell. You know, I, I probably would go, I can't speak for everybody, but I'd probably go to hell if it was, if it was justice without mercy. Mm -hmm. John, what are your, any more thoughts do you have there? Um, well, like he was saying, if everybody has free will to, uh, to, uh, you know, being exposed to the um, the uh, gospel um, way of life as put down in the four gospels and all the themes that um, that are important there, mm -hmm. and uh, you have a um, you um, you have this free will choice, and um, so a lot of times you make bad choices, but at the same time you. Uh, have the opportunity to, by virtue of, um, of confession and repentance, you have the opportunity to get back on the right path. And then the whole, mer you know, the whole message of divine mercy, which was Pope John Paul II promulgated, you know, by making that that uh, the, uh, sister Faustina, you know, the first saint of the of the um, the new millennium. Um, and certainly that was uh, that was an important insight that he had because of. Um, you know all of the terrible things that happened in the uh, in the 20th century, meaning the 1900s, and then you know to a lesser extent so far anyway. I mean, there's still a lot of bad stuff, bad things going on. A lot of um, you know in this country, the gun violence in the city, and all these terrible stories about people um, you know killing family members, and you know all the strife within families. You know, so many broken families. You know. Um, so it's just one of those things that um, that it's a good thing that um, good thing that there is the uh, the idea of repentance that's available yeah. and that you can um, get back on the right path. And at the same time, you can try to make things easier for people. Um, you know, uh, again, you know, th another thing John about uh, John the Baptist was quoted as saying was uh, you know to to be generous with um, with food. People who are hungry and clothing, and and so that's um, you know, especially during this pandemic, a lot of people have been good about doing that. There have been so many stories about restaurants and and regular people, you know, being generous with uh, with food and clothing, and uh, all the natural disasters that take place. So um, you know, it's a constant struggle of the uh, the good versus evil. That's what life is all about. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like what you're saying about the people during COVID and things like that and what you were saying about, you know, some non-religious people, maybe even atheists or agnostics, some of them do really good things, you know. It's just kind of amazing that, um, you know, we always get hit with the bad parts of, of what's going on, the murders and, the, uh, and, and all of that stuff. But... Sometimes, 
you know, when something goes wrong or when somebody needs help, a lot of people come out of the woodwork to do good things. It's it's really, we're, we're kind of lucky, you know, especially in this country, because I think America's like, it's, it's got the most generous people that you can imagine. Well, and you hear people crying out now, too, especially in Afghanistan and other places. They're like almost begging the United States, hey, you guys are the beacon of light. Please solve your problems and, you know, stop your infighting and things because m most most of the world look to the United States as a beacon of light. And if we can't get it right, you know, they feel it's, it's really going to be a disaster yeah. because of our generosity, because of our, you know, founded on Christian Judeo, Judeo uh, values that... Uh, uh, they, they, they ask us, please get it right to, uh, you know, give, give hope to the rest of the world. Also, I just wanted to comment. I want to get you guys' comments on this, and you can explain it to me because this is where I want to learn something. Uh, you know, at, at this time, most people, you know, they have a belief in God. And here we're going to have Christ the Messiah coming, and John adds, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. What does he mean by and fire? And again, this is like, He's introducing the the, 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 the the three, God the Father, the Son, and now he's talking about the Holy Spirit. So he's introducing, uh, you know, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit as we believe now. And it, at that time, it was just God. And it's like, okay, now we're going to have a Messiah coming. He's getting people. And now he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So he's introducing that in fire. What, did, what do you think he means by that? My understanding of uh, and fire is that you know fire it transforms things. It's like a transformational thing, mm -hmm. and um, so uh, baptism of water water doesn't transform you. It does like you know uh, cleanse you, yeah, yeah, but it doesn't transform you. And the Holy Spirit transforms you. The Holy Spirit, like uh, there's another there's a prayer, uh, 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 you know. Uh, and kindle the hearts of your faithful, set the hearts of your faithful on fire, transform oh, yeah. them, and, and then it's, and you shall uh, transform the face of the, or re renew the face of the earth. So, yeah. so I think when John the Baptist says that uh, he baptizes with water, but Jesus baptizes with the Holy Spirit and fire, uh, like if you, if you tell John the Baptist that you want to change your ways, he's like, good, do it, do something about it. You tell Jesus you want to change your ways, he says, I'll help you do something about it. I'm going to transform you into a saint. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, you know, that's, that's how I see it. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, the transformations, when they say fire, that's what could transform you in the baptism of the water is more of a cleansing thing. So, so, so Christ is going to take it to the next level, and he's going to help you. Yeah. You know, you're, you're, going, to get that, you're going to get the help from him. That's pretty eye-opening. That, that's very eye-opening, because when I read this, you know, we, we, we were, we, you know, everybody was commenting on, you know, the, the message here, and there's so much in here, and then I noticed, wow, he, he brings up the Holy Spirit, and this is like a first introduction for many people, and it's like, you know, think about it, when you go home, it's like, you know, could you imagine, it's like, hey, hey, honey, well, you know, you know, he talks about, you know, Christ coming, okay, and then he talks about this Holy Spirit, about, about what, how that's going to be a helper, too, like the paraclete. You know, that's our helper. That's our guiding light. We'll be guided by the Holy Spirit. Is that what I understand, John? The Holy Spirit to be, too, and it, it actually helps to guide us, like a like a paraclete. It's, it's, um, it's, yeah, I mean, uh, I don't think it was spoken uh, 
wasn't really referenced uh, that often in the uh, the Old Testament because um, main, that mainly that's uh, you know God, you know God uh, Almighty God uh, speaking to the uh, through the prophets, okay, and the Israelites. So uh, the uh, concept of Holy Spirit was um, promulgated by um, by the uh, the New Testament. And therefore, the, the preaching of uh, Christ. Um, so uh, maybe the the continued presence of Christ on Earth after He ascends. Yeah, yeah. He ascends, maybe. and then we wait for the descent of the Holy Spirit on us, just like the apostles waited. And He said, "You know, sit tight, guys. I'm leaving now. I'm ascending, but I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to be your helper." You know, and, and then they're going to put together, you know, the Holy Spirit is, 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 is uh, rekindling you, you know, uh, to, to, you know, by fire to give you, as, as you said, Keith, you explained it there eloquently uh, about what it does and then, the, the, you know, the, the, the water cleansing you. But the Holy Spirit is going to be our helper and it, 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 that's our helper today to, 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 to help us out. Yeah, I just remembered that uh, at Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came, uh, it was tongues of fire. <laughs> right, there. Yeah, tongues of fire to do that. Yeah, yeah. so, uh, you know, John the Baptist, man, he really puts a lot into it. He, you know, no filter, you brood of vipers, you, 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 you know, you got the two coats, you help somebody who doesn't have anything, people that are struggling, and you know what you're supposed to do, and, and they ask him. And, and, and then, you know, he goes on to say from there, uh, you know, a, a, about the Holy Spirit coming, well, Christ coming, and then the Holy Spirit, and then, you know, when he comes, you know, he's, he's, he's going to gather the wheat into his born, and the shave, he, you know, he's going to burn an unquenchable fire. So, you know, he's like, like again, no nonsense, pretty harsh. Uh, uh, he, 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 he is, you know, but again, like you say, he, when, when you look at his lifestyle, he's out in the wilderness, you know, look, Stoney, I mean, I mean, it's, he's, he's, uh, he's, he's, he's living with the elements there, you know, so. I guess, uh, you know, his parents were very old, you know, Elizabeth, um, yeah. mentioned that, how she conceived in her old age, and mm -hmm. that means that her, her father was a contemporary, you know, his father was a contemporary, and so they probably, um, just like with Joseph dying, and Kind of strange that there's no mention of the circumstances of that, or you know when yeah. exactly that took place. Mm -hmm. You know, especially through the eyes of Luke, who would have spoken to Mary about that, and uh, you know, kind of like an off-the-record thing. Maybe she mentioned when he uh, he died, but it's not in the gospel. And so, um, I guess it's possible that um, John the Baptist had to be, you know, he was orphaned, and that uh, he had to he had to learn how to survive on his own. And he chose to uh, to go to the wilderness and um, you know live that kind of a lifestyle to be very independent. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I I would guess that would be a contributing factor to uh, to why he um, why he was um, he didn't have a lot of parenting. Um, because his parents were older, you mean they probably passed on? Uh, I was I would assume um, you know maybe he when he was an adolescent you know early teens maybe he. Mm -hmm. He had to pretty much, um, and of course, that's throughout history. There have been, you know, very, very young kids and young young people who've had to uh, well, I, step I, up for their families. So, I guess uh, he's kind of an example for them. You know, people, you know, helping father and mother uh, support the family. 
you know, that type of thing. Um, so, uh, but I guess, um, you know, John, John and Jesus were cousins, so, uh, you know, again, it, it's, you know, you hear about what happened at, at the temple when Jesus was 12, and, um, you know, uh, I have never actually seen the, uh, the Passion of the Christ. It's hard to believe, you know, someone saying that. But, I mean, um, there are some imaginings in, in the mind of Mel Gibson about what the childhood of Jesus was like, you know, some poetic license. And, um, you know, in terms of uh, John the Baptist, his interaction with Jesus before, before the public ministry, their respective public ministries began, um, you know, uh, they were... Uh, what was their interaction, and then, you know, um, obviously, um, uh, John the Baptist was part of God's uh, plan for salvation to be a to be a uh, an advanced person before Jesus, uh, you know, began his public ministry, and he did humble himself by by not baptizing John the Baptist, but letting John the Baptist, you know, baptize him in the in the River Jordan. So that's an interesting dyna dynamic there. That, you know, has been written about by theologians, and certainly is interesting in terms of, um, you know, just the dynamic of that. Yeah, but again, in this gospel message, it, there, there's so much packed in there about the coming of Christ, and 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 how John is blessed to know all this. I mean, he has the wherewithal to be able to talk about the Messiah coming. The Holy Spirit, and then with this coming uh, about the wheat and chaff, and and and, and just giving you know he, he he really lays out a very clear, concise picture of, of, of what it what is and what's coming, and then with when Keith talked about you know the added analysis of the um, uh, scripture, they that you know he, he it goes into a very intellectual analytical detail there and as John had mentioned it's it stands the test of time here all these years later the the, the gospel message so you know we, we still have all our problems as, as John said we still have all our hopes and dreams and people are people and, and you know over 2,000 years later here we are and 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 but these gospel messages stand the test of time and and they'll continue to do that you know even after we're born yeah, you know, a lot of problems in the world. Uh, you know, you have well, you know, there's a terrible problem now with people uh, saying to themselves, "Oh, I should have been a girl." Steve, you want any more coffee or anything? Yeah. Oh. I'm good for now. Yeah, yeah John, you want coffee? No, yeah. Steve, no. have have more coffee. Uh, okay. Yeah, that's time. Right yeah, yeah, well, they're, they're, oh, you can open up those donuts and sandwiches. Uh, as again, you know, for time, we're, we're going to. Uh, you know, we're coming up on 10 o'clock, and uh, oh, it well, goes by the clock here. Yeah, we have 20 minutes. minutes. Oh, okay, we have that, and then, and then we could also say the uh, rosary. Oh, yeah, that's okay. afterwards. Yeah, after yeah, the time yeah af okay, after the time slot, we'll have the rosary. But I was going to say that the um, that a lot of the uh, present-day problems, um, you know, there are so many newfangled problems that have cropped up in the uh, 20th and 21st centuries, and especially the problem with... Um, you know, the one that bothers me a lot is, um, is you know, girls, you know, and boys, you know, they, they, they all of a sudden have this idea that they, they are, they're not the correct sex, sexual identity. And, um, 
And then, you know, the comeback to, uh, you know, a lot of these people's concerns is that, well, there's nothing in the gospel, you know, nothing in the gospel about that. God didn't say that it wasn't, it was incorrect to, uh, you know, to want to be a boy if I was a person who was born a girl or vice versa. And, um, but really you have to be, show some kind of sophistication to, uh, to, to uh, there are deeper themes where you have to, um, to be humble and to uh, trust in God and to accept that, you know, you were born a girl or you were born a boy and you're going to, um, you're going to, uh, you know, live that life, live that uh, lifestyle out to the best of your ability and not try to resist and, um, and, uh, you know, waste all that time and, you know, cause all the heartache of, um, of undergoing that type of change in your life through, through the modern-day medications. Um, I mean, I, I so. love the opinion that, um, like, you know, I, I, both the issue of, uh, those type of, like, moral issues, I feel like it's more important to be merc merciful than, than, um, than, uh, I think, you know, you, you, it is charitable to point out when someone is wrong, but then you also have to be merciful in understanding uh, where they're coming from. And, and I feel like uh, with all people, like, and I don't know if this is true or not, I think it's, I personally think it's true, it's like there's invisible forces that, that uh, can, influence, can influence you. And so um, in the end, I feel like we always only have one, we have free will and we can either say yes we um uh, uh you know want what is good and, and with god or 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 reject that and so but it, but other than that we don't have control over our thoughts we don't have control <laughs> like you know you can accept or reject a thought but you can't you can't cause yourself to uh you can't like you know if i if i say i never want to have a thought about xyz i can't do that you know that thought's going to come anyway and and so then then it's like, what I can do is I can say is, I don't agree with that thought. I, I, I have the thought, I don't agree with it, and I, I reject that thought. Um, and, uh, but it's kind of like a sophisticated way, because not everyone thinks this way, that like, uh, uh, that you have to combat your thoughts. You know, and that's basically what it is, so you have to combat your, your thoughts. And, and, um, and so like people, people have all different types of struggles, and apparently this is one of the struggles that's happening now is, Know, uh, this gender stuff, and and honestly, I don't know. You know, only God knows the person's actual heart, and He also is the only one who knows like what influences they they are under, and uh, and so like for that reason, what comes to mind with me is when Jesus says, you know, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. So I feel like we we do have to be merciful to people because we don't know what they're going through. Yeah, I totally agree with that. You have to be merciful to the individual, but by the same token. Part of the mercy that and, and kindness and compassion that I feel uh, for those people is I believe truly believe that they've been abandoned by the culture because they yes we have thoughts but we all have thoughts who is there to 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 help them sort the thoughts out nobody I mean in the culture Okay, there may be individuals, but they're they're forced to figure this stuff out for themselves. Okay, they don't know one thing from another. Uh, I know that because I have eight kids, and you know my uh, uh, 
seven year old when they were seven years old they don't know anything about life okay they need somebody to guide them okay now yes there are people in the world who have gender dysphoria i mean that diagnosis has been around for you know for for ages okay but all of a sudden in the 21st century uh Gender dysphoria is now uh, as common as uh, uh, freckles, you know. There's something wrong. There's uh, but we and I think that we do have to fight, and I think we have got to fight with sharp teeth. Uh, uh, but not the individuals who are victims of this. These these young people, they're victims. Okay, some of them aren't so young either. Uh, they're victims. Okay. And if they do have some sort of a problem, they're not being given the right tools to deal with it. Uh, the only tool that they seem to have is arrogance, okay? Adopted arrogance. I'm not talking about innate arrogance. I'm talking about the arrogance that comes from uh, the intellectual class that says all this stuff is normal, okay, and, and common. And, and, that, and that all the guideposts to keep people in the lane of their own sexuality are bad, okay? That's what makes me mad. And our, our entire culture is being um, uh, sent into... It's being thrown up like a game of risk. Everything is now tossed in the air uh, so that nobody can figure it out and sort it out, okay? So it's confusion, okay? And this is all purposely directed at our culture, okay? It's all on purpose, okay? You can't pin it on any one person, but you can pin it on certain ideologies that have formed in over the past uh, 150, 200 years, okay? It's all meant to confuse, because when you confuse and unglue the culture, then you can replace it with something different, okay? Which, in my opinion, is something worse. I'm talking about communism, okay? Yeah, I mean, yeah, and that's a, that's a theme in the uh, Fatima on Blessed Virgin Mary, and, and you know the whole story with that. But um, you know, you, you, anybody who doesn't believe the devil is alive and well, influencing the world, I mean, just have to look around and see that um, that's some sort of an evil force, even if you don't want to personify the devil like that. But, um, I mean, um, you know, but one thing, you know, one practical way of, of handling uh, the young people and bringing them up properly is that the parents, you know, even if it's a broken family situation or, um, or hopefully if the family's intact, I mean, you, you know, the mother and father still with their different gifts you know, which is why, you know, that's the only kind of a valid marriage or a valid, you know, a man and a woman, you know, one man and one woman. Um, you know, they have to step forward and they have to, um, you know, they have to, uh, you know, act as parents and uh, exert their uh, influence in a, uh, in a winsome way. And, um, you know, like these parents of that of the uh, the, the latest school shooting, which is very tragic. I mean, the parents dropped the ball, yeah. you know, or else they, you know, it seems like they were even in on it or just turned the other way. And um, you know, they uh, look like a sensible too, couple. I think. Yeah, they kind of they kind of enabled it too in a way, yeah. you know, buying a gun. And um, 
and that and the, and the result is you have this tragedy of uh, you know four people and losing their life and seven seven wounded and scarred for life everybody in the whole school and all of these things that happen on a daily basis I mean uh, you know uh, it's more commonplace today more commonplace in the last 50 60 years I guess you can trace it back to uh, just um, you know, the divorce has always been around and broken families have always been around, but you have more, more and more um, situations where, where the, the, the uh, family, in the family, the, uh, the partner, the husband and wife, they, they kind of, um, you know, they, they both, there's been three generations of families, you know, 60% yeah. divorce rate, 70% divorce rate. And um, it, it, it's left this impact upon society. Isn't it interesting you know, so. that abortion and contraception uh, goes in tandem with all this other uh, carnage, okay? And the state of our, uh, uh, what we used to call the intellectual class who create things like art and music um, and literature, Okay, because I would say that all those fields are in a state of uh, decrepitude. Okay, lack of fecundity of the creative inspiration. Okay, you want to say that one more time, Steve? The, the lack of fecundity. <laughs> fecund I means uh, it's just the word I like lately. Fecund means uh, um, uh, uh, prolific Fecundity? creation. Okay, um, you know you look you look around in in springtime and and you notice, you know flowers blooming, trees budding, uh, birds uh, singing their songs and stuff, and you realize that the creator is 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 prolific. Okay, just he cannot help himself, but to create. Okay, and he's given us a, a piece. Of his creativity, okay, we were, we participate in the creativity by having children, okay, by make uh, creating uh, uh, art and music and literature, poetry, and all of that stuff, and look at the state of all of that. Look look at what's happened. Look at the art that they're producing nowadays. Just scattered blotches of, of paint on a, on a canvas and calling it art. Um, it's just garbage, really. Uh, it doesn't represent anything that, that, that a person could intuitively recognize. Okay? And at the same time, we, we contracept, we abort, we overrule the Creator. Uh, when the Creator decides to create, we overrule Him. Okay, so it's no wonder that our culture is falling apart from the top down, you know, for the intellectual class in this country is, is bereft of creativity. And too, you have to, you know, I'm getting very conscious now, almost self-conscious now, you, you know, we seem to be geared towards youth in our culture, and you have... You think about like like you, Steve, and John, and myself. You know, being in a, a similar age bracket, we could draw from the '60s, '70s, and '80s. But a lot of these people that are causing, or that are you know, uh, 
deeming themselves influencers now. I think that's the buzzword. Yeah. And, you know, these, these gender issues and stuff. They're born in 1991 yeah. or 2001. So they're 20 years old or 25 years old, 30 years old, even if... And so Keith could relate to this a lot because, like, his younger brother and sister, their frame of reference, you know, when they were born... Well, I, have to, I have to say that um, in terms of the generational issues uh it's sheep without a shepherd you know and when you guys grew up the church was strong when yeah. i grew up the church was crumbling and when the millennials grew up you know where is the church right exactly exactly and and, and then the question is <coughs> where's the church going to be in another 20 years because i'm hearing rumblings out there that you know this downward spiral you might call it or whatever you know it, you know it, the way we when it was strong and, and, and grew up is you know in another 20 years it's going to be like non-existent that uh formation that, that, that we had and again when you're talking to the to, to the younger ones like you know say keith's younger brother and sister and even the little ones the nieces and nephews like you know their frame of reference and things they were born at a certain time and they've lived for so long so for us to reference back to when the church was struck they're they're not going to have a concept well I, I the, the reason i brought that up is because i think of um uh frequently i think of like my dad when he grew up you know he was uh, went to catholic school and stuff like that but but uh then when he raised his children uh the ones you're talking about who are younger uh you know he, he wasn't in that but i could see in his in his worldview i can see that you know he you know thinks about god in 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 a way and but with my little brother and sister um it's almost like in the same way that, that has been kind of stripped from the culture in that time period then these children are raised in that culture and then and so then their worldview doesn't have god in it either and it's like like you know uh it's uh and so like i, I don't know uh, I don't know if I, it's hard to I don't like the generational um, stuff uh, uh, like divisions and things because yeah. I look at it more yeah. as it's the, the culture itself has changed and that's yeah. what the source of the problem is yeah. not, correct not yeah yeah, yeah. And, and, and that word you use stripped it's it's yeah. like you know what we reference to and I, and I would just think and I had a conversation yesterday with one of my friends it, it's almost like a moot point to bring something up referencing the strength of the church when we were there because the the young are, are not going to have that reference point oh yeah and looking yeah. back to like the old testament times and stuff it's like when when uh israel um you know kind of went through periods like this uh there were those like uh re there were remnants that held on and were yeah. like distilled and stronger and so you you do see that happening in parts of uh, in parts of you know uh the christian world yeah. um so like you know in some weird way, you know, it's not, it's, you wouldn't say it's a good thing that's happening, but God's able to bring good even out of bad things. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. he's got a plan going on. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and as John mentioned, the, you know, these gospel messages stand the test of time. Yeah. I mean, so, so no matter what reference you're coming for, if you're, if you're referencing, you know, when the church was strong or doing without and, 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 and the, the younger ones today, which seem to be the total focus of media the television and everyday events is geared, you know, more towards the youth. Uh, uh, 
you know, and the problems that we have are, are even more intensified today than they were, um, but, but, but yet, you know, the gospel messages do stand a test of time. Keith, how old are you? Uh, I'll be 40 in July, so 39. Okay. Yeah. All right. And how old are your little brother and sister? Uh, they were born, I think, in uh, 2001 and I think okay. 99 or 98. Okay. Yeah. So I have kids that were born around that time, too. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I've noticed, like, I've seen my kids' friends, you know, and it, I have eight kids, so it's like a really big cross-section, okay? Um, and I just don't see uh, uh, that they are bad, okay? I mean, I see them, like, a lot of them are really good kids, okay? Um, in fact, probably all of them. Um, except for my, my oldest son hung around with a, he, he, with a kind of a bad crowd, but he, even those kids were, had redeeming things. Um, so, but it's, but it is, you're right. It's, you got to separate the, the, the generation from the culture, you know, you got to take that into consideration, you know, they grew up in a culture that, uh, is far more secular. Than, uh, than it was when we grew up. Well, and that was my point. If you reference things from when we grew up and you take kids that are born in 2001, they're yeah. they don't have that frame of reference. So am I wasting my breath in, in referencing that? Because again, they're not going to have that reference point. That's right. That's right. What, yeah. what they have to is from the time they're born until now, you know, so much has been stripped, as Keith had said, you have to be able to communicate and identify with them in the now, like 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 what yes. knowledge they have of the church and their mindset and how uh, they so were raised. Uh, we only have two minutes left. Okay, so let's wrap it up. Round the round the round the room, John. You wanna you wanna uh, you know shout out for blessings or your final thoughts? Here? Message of the gospel is to you know you have to love people who are you know not not doing things the right way at your perception or. Or you know any any young person who's uh, off the track, still have to love and um, try to encourage them to uh, to be uh, be present and you know loving be, be have to, all have to be loving people. That's the uh, that's a big theme, which uh, timeless. Okay. So any last any intentions, John? Um, just to pray for a good Advent remainder of Advent for everybody, leading up to Christmas two weeks from today. Okay, very good. Uh, uh, just for peace, the conversion of sinners, and the salvation of souls. Final thoughts, Stephen? Uh, ditto what these guys said. Okay, okay, good. Uh, you know, it, so a couple again, of prayers now. Yeah, a couple of prayers. Well, let's let's uh, say a Hail Mary, and we'll, and we'll wrap it up, then we'll go into the rosary. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and in the hour of our death. Amen. In the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Prosing. Wow, man, that, that 